Chapters 19 through 20 of Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irenaeus Against Heresies, Book 4. Translated by Alexander Roberts and W. H. Rombo. Chapter 19. Earthly things may be the type of heavenly but the latter cannot be the types of other still superior and unknown, nor can we, without absolute madness, maintain that God is known to us only as the type of a still unknown and superior being. 1. Now the gifts, oblations, and all the sacrifices did the people receive in a figure, as was shown to Moses in the mount, from one and the same God, whose name is now glorified in the church among all nations. But it is congruous that those earthly things, indeed, which are spread all around us, should be types of the celestial, being both, however, created by the same God. For in no other way could he assimilate an image of spiritual things to suit our comprehension. But to allege that those things which are super-celestial and spiritual, and, as far as we are concerned, invisible and ineffable, are in their turn the types of celestial things and of another pleroma, and to say that God is the image of another father is to play the part both of wanderers from the truth and of absolutely foolish and stupid persons. For, as I have repeatedly shown, such persons will find it necessary to be continually finding out types of types and images of images and will never be able to fix their minds on one and the true God. For their imaginations range beyond God, they having in their hearts surpassed the Master himself, being indeed in idea elated and exalted above him, but in reality turning away from the true God. 2. To these persons one may with justice say, as scripture itself suggests, To what distance above God do ye lift up your imaginations, O ye rashly elated men? Ye have heard that the heavens are meted out in the palm of his hand. Tell me the measure, and recount the endless multitude of cubits. Explain to me the fullness, the breadth, the length, the height, the beginning and end of the measurement, things which the heart of man understands not neither does it comprehend them. For the heavenly treasuries are indeed great. God cannot be measured in the heart, and incomprehensible is he in the mind, he who holds the earth in the hollow of his hand. Who perceives the measure of his right hand? Who knoweth his finger? Or who doth understand his hand? That hand which measures immensity, that hand which by its own measure, spreads out the measure of the heavens, and which comprises in its hollow the earth with the abysses, which contains in itself the breadth and length and the depth below, and the height above of the whole creation, which is seen, which is heard and understood, and which is invisible. And for this reason, God is above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named of all things which have been created and established. 
he it is who fills the heavens and views the abysses who is also present with every one of us for he says am i a god at hand and not a god afar off if any man is hid in secret places shall i not see him for his hand lays hold of all things and that it is which illumines the heavens and lightens also the things which are under the heavens and trieth the reins and the hearts is also present in hidden things and in our secret thoughts and does openly nourish and preserve us three but if man comprehends not the fullness and the greatness of his hand how shall any one be able to understand or know in his heart so great a god yet as if they had now measured and thoroughly investigated him and explored him on every side they feign that beyond him there exists another pleroma of ions and another father certainly not looking up to celestial things but truly descending into a profound abyss of madness maintaining that their father extends only to the border of those things which are beyond the pleroma but that on the other hand the demiurge does not reach so far as the pleroma and thus they represent neither of them as being perfect and comprehending all things for the former will be defective in regard to the whole world formed outside of the pleroma and the latter in respect of that ideal world which was formed within the pleroma and therefore neither of these can be the god of all but that no one can fully declare the goodness of god from the things made by him is a point evident to all and that his greatness is not defective but contains all things and extends even to us and is with us every one will confess who entertains worthy conceptions of god chapter twenty that one god formed all things in the world by means of the word and the holy spirit and that although he is to us in this life invisible and incomprehensible nevertheless he is not unknown inasmuch as his works do declare him and his word has shown that in many modes he may be seen and known one as regards his greatness therefore it is not possible to know god for it is impossible that the father can be measured but as regards his love for this it is which leads us to god by his word when we obey him we do always learn that there is so great a god and that it is he who by himself has established and selected and adorned and contains all things and among all the things both ourselves and this our world we also then were made along with those things which are contained by him and this is he of whom the scripture says and god formed man taking clay of the earth and breathed into his face the breath of life it was not angels therefore who made us nor who formed us neither had angels power to make an image of god nor any one else except the word of the lord nor any power remotely distant from the father of all things for god did not stand in need of these beings 
in order to the accomplishing of what he had himself determined with himself beforehand should be done, as if he did not possess his own hands. For with him were always present the Word and Wisdom, the Son and the Spirit, by whom and in whom, freely and spontaneously, he made all things, to whom also he speaks, saying, let us make man after our image and likeness. He taking from himself the substance of the creatures formed, and the pattern of things made, and the type of all the adornments in the world. 2. Truly, then, the scripture declared, which says, First of all, believe that there is one God, who has established all things and completed them and having caused that from what had no being, all things should come into existence. He who contains all things, and is himself contained by no one. Rightly also has Malachi said among the prophets, Is it not one God who hath established us? Have we not all one Father? In accordance with this, too, does the apostle say, there is one God, the Father, who is above all, and in us all. Likewise does the Lord also say, All things are delivered to me by my Father, manifestly by him who made all things, for he did not deliver to him the things of another, but his own. But in all things it is implied that nothing has been kept back from him, and for this reason the same person is the judge of the living and the dead. Having the key of David, he shall open, and no man shall shut. He shall shut, and no man shall open. For no one was able, either in heaven or in earth or under the earth, to open the book of the Father, or to behold him with the exception of the Lamb who was slain, and who redeemed us with his own blood, receiving power over all things from the same God who made all things by the word, and adorned them by his wisdom, when the word was made flesh, that even as the word of God had the sovereignty in the heavens, so also might he have the sovereignty in earth, inasmuch as he was a righteous man who did no sin, neither was there found guile in his mouth, and that he might have the preeminence over those things which are under the earth, he himself being made the first begotten of the dead, and that all things, as I have already said, might behold their king, and that the paternal light might meet with and rest upon the flesh of our Lord, and come to us from his resplendent flesh, and that thus man might attain to immortality having been invested with the paternal light. 3. I have also largely demonstrated that the Word, namely the Son, was always with the Father, and that wisdom also, which is the Spirit, was present with him, anterior to all creation. He declares by Solomon, God, by wisdom, founded the earth, and by understanding hath he established the heaven. By his knowledge the depths burst forth, and the clouds dropped down the dew. And again, the Lord created me the beginning of his ways and his work. 
he set me up from everlasting in the beginning before he made the earth before he established the depths and before the fountains of waters gushed forth before the mountains were made strong and before all the hills he brought me forth and again when he prepared the heaven i was with him and when he established the fountains of the deep when he made the foundations of the earth strong i was with him preparing them i was he in whom he rejoiced and throughout all time i was daily glad before his face when he rejoiced at the completion of the world and was delighted in the sons of men four there is therefore one god who by the word and wisdom created and arranged all things but this is the creator or demiurge who has granted this world to the human race and who as regards his greatness is indeed unknown to all who have been made by him for no man has searched out his height either among the ancients who have gone to their rest or any of those who are now alive but as regards his love he is always known through him by whose means he ordained all things now this is his word our lord jesus christ who in that last times was made a man among men that he might join the end to the beginning that is man to god wherefore the prophets receiving the prophetic gift from the same word announced his advent according to the flesh by which the blending and communion of god and man took place according to the good pleasure of the father the word of god foretelling from the beginning that god should be seen by men and hold converse with them upon earth should confer with them and should be present with his own creation saving it and becoming capable of being perceived by it and freeing us from the hands of all that hate us that is from every spirit of wickedness and causing us to serve him in holiness and righteousness all our days in order that man having embraced the spirit of god might pass into the glory of the father five these things did the prophets set forth in a prophetical manner but they did not as some allege proclaim that he who was seen by the prophets was a different god the father of all being invisible yet this is what those heretics declare who are altogether ignorant of the nature of prophecy for prophecy is a prediction of things future that is a setting forth beforehand of those things which shall be afterwards the prophets then indicated beforehand that god should be seen by men as the lord also says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god but in respect to his greatness and his wonderful glory no man shall see god and live for the father is incomprehensible but in regard to his love and kindness and as to his infinite power even this he grants to those who love him that is to see god which thing the prophets did also predict for those things which are impossible with men are possible with god for man does not see god by his own powers but when he pleases 
he is seen by men, by whom he wills, and when he wills, and as he wills. For God is powerful in all things, having been seen at that time indeed, prophetically through the Spirit, and seen too, adoptively through the Son, and he shall also be seen paternally in the kingdom of heaven, the Spirit truly preparing man in the Son of God, as the Son leading to the Father, while the Father too confers upon him incorruption for eternal life, which comes to every one from the fact of his seeing God. For as those who see the light are within the light, and partake of its brilliancy, even so those who see God are in God, and receive of his splendor. But his splendor vivifies them. Those, therefore, who see God do receive life. And for this reason, he, although beyond comprehension, and boundless and invisible, rendered himself visible and comprehensible, and within the capacity of those who believe, that he might vivify those who receive and behold him through faith. For as his greatness is past finding out, so also his goodness is beyond expression, by which, having been seen, he bestows life upon those who see him. It is not possible to live apart from life, and the means of life is found in fellowship with God. But fellowship with God is to know God, and to enjoy his goodness. 6. Men, therefore, shall see God, that they may live, being made immortal by that sight, and attaining even unto God, which, as I have already said, was declared figuratively by the prophets, that God should be seen by men who bear his spirit in them, and do always wait patiently for his coming. As also Moses says in Deuteronomy, We shall see in that day that God will talk to man, and he shall live. For certain of these men used to see the prophetic spirit, and his active influences poured forth for all kinds of gifts. Others, again, beheld the advent of the Lord, and that dispensation which obtained from the beginning, by which he accomplished the will of the Father with regard to those things both celestial and terrestrial. And others beheld paternal glories adapted to the times. And to those who saw and who heard them then, and to all who were subsequently to hear them, Thus, therefore, was God revealed, for God the Father is shown forth through all these operations, the Spirit indeed working, and the Son ministering, while the Father was approving, and man's salvation being accomplished. As he also declares through Hosea the prophet, I, he says, have multiplied visions, and have used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. But the apostle expounded this very passage when he said, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of ministrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But as he who worketh all things in all is God, 
as to the points of what nature and how great he is god is invisible and indescribable to all things which have been made by him but he is by no means unknown for all things learn through his word that there is one god the father who contains all things and who grants existence to all as is written in the gospel no man hath seen god at any time except the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father he has declared him seven therefore the son of the father declares him from the beginning inasmuch as he was with the father from the beginning who did also show to the human race prophetic visions and diversities of gifts and his own ministrations and the glory of the father in regular order and connection at the fitting time for the benefit of mankind for where there is a regular succession there is also fixedness and where fixedness there suitability to the period and where suitability there also utility and for this reason did the word become the dispenser of the paternal grace for the benefit of men for whom he made such great dispensations revealing god indeed to men but presenting man to god and preserving at the same time the invisibility of the father lest man should at any time become a despiser of god and that he should always possess something towards which he might advance but on the other hand revealing god to men through many dispensations lest man falling away from god altogether should cease to exist for the glory of god is a living man and the life of man consists in beholding god for if the manifestation of god which is made by means of the creation affords life to all living in the earth much more does that revelation of the father which comes through the word give life to those who see god eight inasmuch then as the spirit of god pointed out by the prophets things to come forming and adapting us beforehand for the purpose of our being made subject to god but it was still a future thing that man through the good pleasure of the holy spirit should see god it necessarily behooved those through whose instrumentality future things were announced to see god whom they intimated as to be seen by men in order that god and the son of god and the son and the father should not only be prophetically announced but that he should also be seen by all his members who are sanctified and instructed in the things of god that man might be disciplined beforehand and previously exercised for a reception into that glory which shall afterwards be revealed in those who love god for the prophets used not to prophesy in word alone but in visions also and in their mode of life and in the actions which they performed according to the suggestions of the spirit after this invisible manner therefore did they see god as also esaias says i have seen god with mine eyes the king the lord of hosts pointing out that man should behold god with his eyes and hear his voice in this manner therefore 
did they also see the Son of God as a man conversant with men, while they prophesied what was to happen, saying that he who was not come as yet was present proclaiming all the impassable as subject to suffering, and declaring that he who was then in heaven had descended into the dust of death. Moreover, with regard to the other arrangements concerning the summing up that he should make, some of these they beheld through visions, others they proclaimed by word, while others they indicated typically by means of outward action, seeing visibly those things which were to be seen, heralding by word of mouth those which should be heard, and performing by actual operation what should take place by action, but at the same time announcing all prophetically. Wherefore also Moses declared that God was indeed a consuming fire to the people that transgressed the law, and threatened that God would bring upon them a day of fire. But to those who had the fear of God, he said, The Lord God is merciful and gracious and long-suffering and of great commiseration, and true, and keeps justice and mercy for thousands, forgiving unrighteousness and transgressions and sins. 9. And the word spake to Moses, appearing before him, just as any one might speak to his friend. But Moses desired to see him openly who was speaking with him, and was thus addressed, Stand in the deep place of the rock, and with my hand I will cover thee. But when my splendor shall pass by, then thou shalt see my back parts. But my face thou shalt not see, for no man sees my face and shall live. Two facts are thus signified, that it is impossible for man to see God, and that, through the wisdom of God, man shall see him in the last times in the depth of a rock, that is, in his coming as a man. And for this reason did the Lord confer with him face to face on the top of a mountain, Elias being also present, as the gospel relates, he thus making good in the end the ancient promise. 10. The prophets, therefore, did not openly behold the actual face of God, but they saw the dispensations and the mysteries through which man should afterwards see God. As was also said to Elias, Thou shalt go forth to-morrow, and stand in the presence of the Lord, and behold a wind great and strong, which shall rend the mountains, and break the rocks in pieces before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a scarcely audible voice. For by such means was the prophet, very indignant because of the transgression of the people and the slaughter of the prophets, both taught to act in a more gentle manner. And the Lord's advent as a man was pointed out, that it should be subsequent to that law which was given by Moses, mild and tranquil, in which he would neither break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax. The mild and peaceful repose of his kingdom was indicated likewise. 
for after the wind which rends the mountains and after the earthquake and after the fire come the tranquil and peaceful times of his kingdom in which the spirit of god does in the most gentle manner vivify and increase mankind this too was made still clearer by ezekiel that the prophets saw the dispensations of god in part but not actually god himself for when this man had seen the vision of god and the cherubim and their wheels and when he had recounted the mystery of the whole of that progression and had beheld the likeness of a throne above them and upon the throne a likeness as of the figure of a man and the things which were upon his loins as the figure of amber and what was below like the sight of fire and when he set forth all the rest of the visions of the thrones lest any one might happen to think that in those visions he had actually seen god he added this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of god eleven if then neither moses nor elias nor ezekiel who had all many celestial visions did see god but if what they did see were similitudes of the splendor of the lord and prophecies of things to come it is manifest that the father is indeed invisible of whom also the lord said no man hath seen god at any time but his word as he himself willed it and for the benefit of those who beheld did show the father's brightness and explained his purposes as also the lord said the only begotten god which is in the bosom of the father he hath declared him and he does himself also interpret the word of the father as being rich and great not in one figure nor in one character did he appear to those seeing him but according to the reasons and effects aimed at in his dispensations as it is written in daniel for at one time he was seen with those who were around ananias azarias misael as present with them in the furnace of fire in the burning and preserving them from the effects of fire and the appearance of the fourth it is said was like to the son of god at another time he is represented as a stone cut out of the mountain without hands and as smiting all temporal kingdoms and as blowing them away and as himself filling all the earth then too is this same individual beheld as the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven and drawing near to the ancient of days and receiving from him all power and glory and a kingdom his dominion it is said is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom shall not perish john also the lord's disciple when beholding the sacerdotal and glorious advent of his kingdom says in his apocalypse i turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned i saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment reaching to the feet and girt about the papes with a golden girdle and his head and his hairs were white 
as white as wool and as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto fine brass as if he burned in a furnace and his voice was as the voice of waters and he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength for in these words he sets forth something of the glory which he has received from his father as where he makes mention of the head something in reference to the priestly office also as in the case of the long garment reaching to the feet and this was the reason why moses vested the high priest after this fashion something also alludes to the end of all things as where he speaks of the fine brass burning in the fire which denotes the power of faith and the continuing instant in prayer because of the consuming fire which is to come at the end of time but when john could not endure the sight for he says i fell at his feet as dead that what was written might come to pass no man sees god and shall live and the word reviving him and reminding him that it was he upon whose bosom he had leaned at supper when he put the question as to who should betray him declared i am the first and the last and he who liveth and was dead and behold i am alive for evermore and have the keys of death and of hell and after these things seeing the same lord in a second vision he says for i saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent forth into all the earth and again he says speaking of this very same lamb and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness doth he judge and make war and his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns having a name written that no man knoweth but himself and he was girded around with a vesture sprinkled with blood and his name was called the word of god and his armies of heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in pure white linen and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he may smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of god almighty and he hath upon his vesture and upon his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords thus does the word of god always preserve the outlines as it were of things to come and points out to men the various forms as it were of the dispensations of the father teaching us the things pertaining to god twelve however it was not by means of visions alone which were seen and words which were proclaimed but also in actual works that he was beheld by the prophets in order that through them he might prefigure 
and show forth future events beforehand. For this reason did Hosea the prophet take a wife of whoredoms, prophesying by means of the action that in committing fornication the earth should fornicate from the Lord, that is, the men who are upon the earth, and from men of this stamp it will be God's good pleasure to take out a church which shall be sanctified by fellowship with his son, just as that woman was sanctified by intercourse with the prophet. And for this reason, Paul declares that the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband. Then again, the prophet names his children, not having obtained mercy and not a people, in order that, as says the apostle, what was not a people may become a people, and she who did not obtain mercy may obtain mercy. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said, This is not a people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. That which had been done typically through his actions by the prophet, the apostle proves to have been done truly by Christ in the church. Thus too did Moses also take to wife an Ethiopian woman, whom he thus made an Israelitish one, showing by anticipation that the wild olive tree is grafted into the cultivated olive, and made to partake of its fatness. For as he who was born Christ according to the flesh had indeed to be sought after by the people in order to be slain, but was to be set free in Egypt, that is, among the Gentiles, to sanctify those who were in a state of infancy, from whom also he perfected his church in that place. For Egypt was Gentile from the beginning, as was Ethiopia also. For this reason, by means of the marriage of Moses, was shown forth the marriage of the word, and by means of the Ethiopian bride, the church taken from among the Gentiles was made manifest, and those who do detract from, accuse, and deride it shall not be pure. For they shall be full of leprosy, and expelled from the camp of the righteous. Thus also did Rahab the harlot, while condemning herself, inasmuch as she was a Gentile guilty of all sins, Nevertheless, received the three spies, who were spying out all the land, and hid them at her home, which three were, doubtless, a type of the Father and the Son, together with the Holy Spirit. And when the entire city in which she lived fell to ruins at the sounding of the seven trumpets, Rahab the harlot was preserved, when all was over, together with all her house, through faith, of the scarlet sign, as the Lord also declared to those who did not receive his advent. The Pharisees, no doubt, nullify the sign of the scarlet thread, which meant the Passover, and the redemption and exodus of the people from Egypt, when he said, The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of heaven before you. End of Book 4, Chapters 19-20